welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It is Thanksgiving week as we record here in the Red Sea Radio national, international, global, and galaxy-wide radio network. Galaxy-wide. In College Station, Texas, uh, we are here about to leave on our trips for Thanksgiving. You are listening to this. On Thursday morning, actually, you're probably not. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're cooking Thanksgiving breakfast and listening to Fort the Catholic. That's a nice mental image. Um, hello, Susan, cooking in your kitchen. And if you are, thank you. Thank. We, we are thankful. We do thank you for uh, all the, I don't know who Susan is, but I really hope there's a lady named Susan that's cooking while listening to this. So uh, I we have a lot of things to thank, be thankful for here at the show. One thing to be thankful for is that Red Sea Radio just got a new app. For your, for your phone, for your iPad or whatever. You can listen to uh, live radio on your phone there. Or you can listen to, uh, you know, past shows of your favorite Catholic shows like Forte Catholic, um, Red Sea Roundup, Everyday Catholics, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Mystery of Parenthood. Can't forget that guy. He's my spiritual director. That'd be rude. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, cool new app that just came out today, actually. Uh, so that's very exciting. Um, another thing that Sam and I, uh, producer Sam's here. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm doing good tired it was a long day i had school i didn't have off like everyone else and brian you know what i did today what i played video games until i came to the show wow actually that's not all i did i actually did one adult thing i um uh, i went to the tax office three months late so <laughs> so uh we uh, we got a new car i was supposed to put the title in my in my name and it like went to the ministry's name it's supposed to come to mind anyways this whole complicated thing well, I needed a signature, and then I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> so struggle. Uh, so I went back. Also, I uh, had to go get a new. What are they called? The little inspection sticker? Not inspection stickers. The registration sticker. Registration. So this this whole ordeal, <laughs> it expired in at the end of August. It's now the end of November. Uh, so I've been driving around with an expired uh, sticker. For months. And you want to hear a, a true miracle. I drive by the police office, like the police department, every single day, either going to work or church. I drive by it every day. And from the end of August until last Friday, I did not get pulled over. No, not Friday. What day did we leave, Sam? We left Thursday. We left Thursday. I got pulled over Wednesday night. That's right. Uh, so there's just some a little traffic update here on Forte Catholic. <laughs> Uh, the exit that I usually take to go just about everywhere in my life has been closed off of the highway. So you actually have to take the exit before. And so that's very frustrating because they've been doing uh, doing construction. The word doing is actually a lie. All they did was tear something up, put up cones, and haven't actually made progress in like the last six months. So I, I'm fairly frustrated about it. So the way that I... Um, I uh, fight back against the man right is that i actually go the speed that you're supposed to go on the highway on the feeder road that makes sense yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so that's that's my way of sticking to the man uh the man didn't like that the man pulled me over so <laughs> <laughs> very nice guy i i it was sam and i were preparing to go to memphis tennessee me sam and two guys that we also work with and uh i had to, i was going to pick up some medicine because i was about to run out of mine and some medicine for my son who was sick and, uh, you know, doing 
68 miles an hour in a 40, uh, which is a felony, uh, whatever. Uh, so <laughs> the, insert catechism scripture about those for, by who, the, who, who for the love of speed endanger others uh, in, in, incur grave judgment upon themselves or something like that. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. If I was 10 feet over, I could go 70. But since I'm 10 feet the other way, I have to go 40. Stupid. So uh, I saw the cop and I... I just started pulling over like, you know, like he, he didn't even turn his lights on or whatever. I just started pulling over and then he turned his lights on after I started turning. Uh, so he was a real nice guy. He's like, why are you going? So f-? he's like, do you know that you were speeding? I was like, yeah, you know, I wasn't even going to try to lie or anything. But he pulls me over and I was, he's like, why are you going so fast? I was like, man, I'm honestly just kind of tired. And I'm, I'm, he's like, where are you headed? I was like, I'm going to pick up medicine for me and my son. He let me off. I was going 28 miles over the speed limit, and he let me off. What a nice guy! But but uh, I did finally get caught for the for the registration tickets. He's like, I gotta give you something, dude. You know? So he was like, but this one you can get taken care of. So uh, went I went by today to the to the tax office, and they were like, okay, did I had to like sign this thing? Did you drive the car since August? Yes. Were you giving a ticket for driving a said car? Yes. Why are you asking me all these questions? What is this confession? Uh, we'll, we'll get to confession later. Um, but uh, I, I got it was only twenty bucks, and it's like it never happened. So actually, this isn't going to air. We're gonna make this show just like uh, just like after confession, where I did something, but it's like I didn't do it at all. That's what the court did for my ticket. It's like it never happened. So you're never going to hear this unless Sam posts it as a podcast. I kind of feel like she will. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) enough enough about today. So as I said, Sam and I went to this conference called NYWC, the National Youth Workers Convention in Memphis, Tennessee. We left bright and early Thursday morning. We came back uh, bright and early. early. You couldn't get much earlier on Monday morning because it was about 1230 at night, like Sunday nights, Monday morning, right? So uh, cool trip. So I want to tell you, I just want to share a little bit about the trip, some of the things that we learned at the conference, because it was a training conference for people in ministry. We're not going to bore you with some of the ministry details, but we are going to talk about some of the things that we think might benefit you guys that we heard over the weekend. Just a tremendous conference, some of the greatest. Uh, it's a, it's actually a like non-denominational uh, conference. So the there's like what, I think it was like 2,500 people that have been working in youth ministry for Literally from like three days before to there was one couple that have been, that have been in youth ministry or volunteering in youth ministry for 40, what was it, 46 years? 40, 40 something. 40-something yeah. years. They're trying to get to 50 years, like they said. <laughs> yeah, there you go. They're trying to get to 50 years. Uh, I'm just trying to make it to 50 years old. I don't know. <laughs> I think they have a better chance. <laughs> They're like 80. <laughs> so uh, We're really cute, too. Yeah. <laughs> They're a really cute couple. Me, Sam, Josh, and Brian were the, like, we're... Went. We were the contingent from Blades Ministries that went. There were two nuns there, and there was also one girl that we found in mass. Uh, of the twenty five hundred people, I'm fairly certain that the there were. I just named all the Catholics that were there at the conference. So, but why do we go to this? Like, as many of you know, Protestants, non-denominational people have been doing. They started doing youth ministry way before the Catholic Church ever did, and they're very, very good at it. So we go steal their ideas, make them Catholic, and then try to do good youth ministry. That's essentially why we do this. But so we're going to talk about some of the things that we that we heard at the conference. But also, before we even do that, we just have to tell you a little bit about the city of Memphis and some of the things that we experienced there. 
because it was a trip. Um, we, the first thing we have to talk about, it's one of the oddest experiences I've ever had in a large city. This has nothing to do with faith. I just have to tell you about this because it was so odd. Uh, we were, we left the conference and we had to, we just started walking. And like when you're in like downtown New York city or downtown Houston, you just start walking in any direction and there's a restaurant, you know, every other building, you know, like for a block. And even if there's not, you walk another one. We walked for a good 15 minutes mm-hmm. and didn't see a restaurant. We saw one subway. It was closed. Like everything else was closed. N- nothing was open. And you know how like you're in a big city. So there's all these on the blocks. There's all these high buildings, and all this kind of stuff. We looked down every street. We didn't see another human yeah, for it was 15 kinda, minutes. Kind of terrifying. It was trippy. Like I literally thought we like we either went to the upside down from Stranger Things <laughs> or we were in the Walking Dead and like everybody else was zombies and they were like just going to attack us around the next corner. It was the weirdest thing. I was thinking more like the rapture happened and we missed out. I <laughs> it was, took I was all really the Protestants worried. and left the Catholics <laughs> in the middle of the street. <laughs> you don't believe in the rapture, so it didn't happen to you, but it sure did happen to them. <laughs> it's kind of like the opposite of purgatory. Like Protestants don't believe in purgatory, which is probably why they're going to spend a lot of time there. <laughs> hey, Protestants, this message is brought to you from your friendly friendly show host, Taylor, on Forte Catholic. Um, so we walked for like 15 minutes. And Sam has to uh, relieve herself. We'll just put it that way. And we've been walking and walking and walking. We finally find civilization. There's one place open. One place. One place. And it might be the fanciest restaurant I've ever walked into. Yeah. I'm wearing jeans and like a polo. No, I was wearing like a a hoodie, right? You were wearing a hoodie. Everybody else, we're all just dressed like, you know, jeans and a polo, jeans and a hoodie or jeans and a jacket or whatever. All these people in there are like wearing suits and tuxes and like we looked at the menu and it was like $50 for a french fry. You know, like it was super expensive. But uh, the three of us wanted to be gentlemen. So we're like, you know, we're going to do the gentlemanly thing and divert them while Sam sneaks into the bathroom. So, <laughs> so, so we do. And as Sam's walking to the bathroom, she, she hears like the hostess like call the owner over. He's like, hey, watch them. <laughs> like, we did not belong there. <laughs> did not. Did not belong. So we finally found civilization and found out very quickly that we weren't welcome. But the, <laughs> o- the owner came over and he was very nice. And uh, once he realized we weren't like murderers or something, uh, he was, he, he started telling, it's really funny because you think he's doing it to be nice. Oh, there's food over there. There's food over there. He was just giving us all these options. He said, go anywhere but here. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what it was. So anyway, he did give us some good directions. So thank you, uh, rich white man. And uh, we went over to, to this place and got, finally got food, found humans again, and we, we were very, very excited about it. Uh, so let's get something to something serious. There was um, in Memphis, maybe a mile, mile and a half from where we were staying, where the conference was held was the National Civil Rights Museum. And apparently it's a big deal. Like uh, they were talking about it at the conference. They said if you bring your conference lanyard, um, you can get you can get in for cheaper and all this kind of stuff. And they were like, okay. We looked it up and we, we said, oh, okay, we'll just ex- have an extended lunchtime. Like we'll go, we'll have like a 30-minute lunch, you know, far, far away because they didn't have food in downtown Memphis. <laughs> um, and we'll go to this thing. It'll take like an hour, hour and a half, whatever. We might miss one session, but we'll come back for the rest of the conference. We were there for quite some time. So uh, most of you know Sam, our producer. 
um, I want to let her kind of share her, her initial thoughts from the museum first, because that, you may or may not know, Sam is, Sam's dad is black, mm-hmm. African-American, her mom is white. So this museum meant a lot to her, uh, just because it's a lot of her heritage. Uh, it meant a lot to the rest of us, too, because it's like it's part of our American heritage, and we have to decide how to uh, hate white people. So I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. True. That's not what the museum was about. Uh, but Sam, what, what was like... Just kind of your initial thoughts when going there. Why'd you want to go? And what were some of your favorite, like, kind of initial thoughts when we went to the museum? Yeah, um, I I always want to go and learn more about uh, about my culture and about the African American culture in general. Um, I think something really cool is I used to live in Georgia, and when I lived in Georgia, I actually went to Martin Luther King's like house that was in Georgia, and we actually visited it and got to walk around. And so I still remember that even from being a kid, being really small, like walking through his house. Um, But something really amazing is when we got here, it looks really small from the outside, Uh, but it's, it's huge. It's massive, (laughs) you know, and and you just don't really, really expect it. We ended up spending three hours just in one building. We, we didn't go to the other building or anything else. We we just stayed in that one building and it took us three hours (laughs) to like get through that and it was just crazy to see to see all these things and and they incorporated so much technology inside of it which was really cool you had like this movie that you watched and at the very end of the movie the screen like slides to the side and there's like the secret passageway almost but at the end you see people like walking like the shadows of people walking and you follow the shadows into the into the next exhibit which was really really just really cool they had um this big screen. Do you remember the big screen? I do. In the in the, where was that was in the board of education versus Brown versus board education room, and so when schools were separate, and now they're trying to like integrate the schools, and there was this really big board, and it had the United States on it. You could click it. What what happened when you clicked Texas? Yeah, it showed. So like it had a map of the whole United States, and you right. got to click and kind of see what was going on in every state, like big stories that were happening. I think the one from Texas was actually about UT. It was. That uh, uh, that uh, it was like they had to quickly make, like they told them that they had to let this African-American person into the school. So they quickly made a new law school for this one black guy. Like it was just, <laughs> it was just such a weird thing. Like they, they invented a school other than having them go to the same school. It's a ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, all the things that happened. Um, one of the other cool parts is they have a lot of um, like interactive things within it. So you have the Freedom Riders, which were blacks and whites. Uh, they all kind of came together and realized that we needed to fight for freedom. Um, and so they would ride these buses because at the time, uh, black people weren't allowed to ride in the front of buses. Um, so it was kind of like them protesting in a non non-violence way. They, they didn't want to put forth violence. So they would just load these buses and drive through town um, and people would find out about it and, and you would, people would set off bombs and things like that. And so you got to kind of one walk through one and they had like Rosa Parks sitting in the front and there was like a dialogue happening back and forth. And then you got to go out and see another bus that kind of looked like it was exploded and, and, and messed up and, and things like that. So it was really trying to like tug at your heartstrings for sure within it and like trying to to move you in in these people in this in this history of these people who who fought for for rights that some of them didn't even get to see really full out, you know, and and what a blessing it is for for me to be able to experience the rights and 
and the things that I have today because of the people who fought for me. It was just like, it was just amazing to, to see that and be a part of that. Yeah. There's an interesting quote you talk about, like, like standing on like the shoulders of these great people who, who led this. There's an interesting mm-hmm. quote by uh, Barack Obama that I actually had never heard before. And I'm not his biggest fan, but I really liked this quote. He was essentially saying that like, because of the Moses Moseses that came before us, mm. you know, all these giants like Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and these people, because of these Moseses that came before us, he was very thankful for them. Like he says, I stand on their shoulders as being the first uh, black president. Um, but he said, like, we still need to be fight like Joshua. Because, you know, he's like using this Old Testament imagery where Moses prepared the people for the Holy Land, but he didn't get to go in. You know, like Joshua was the person that led the Israelites into the Holy Land. And I think that's kind of where we are now, because like things are much better than they were when Martin Luther King was was fighting the good fight and when Rosa Mm -hmm. Parks was fighting the good fight. But we all know that uh, things are technically beautiful with racial relations right now. So there's still things like to to fight like Joshua did. And, And I love that. Tremendously. It was, a, it was a cool experience for me. Uh, whenever we come back from the break, um, I'm going to share some of my thoughts on the, uh, on the museum as well. We'll get into some more things that happened in Memphis, and then we'll start a conversation about what happened at the conference, just to share some great things. Uh, before we head to the break, I just wanted to let you know that uh, if you are home this weekend traveling for Thanksgiving uh, and you want to listen to past episodes, you can do that by going to ForteCatholic.com slash radio or searching Forte Catholic in your favorite way to listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes or SoundCloud, Google Play, whatever. Uh, We'll be right back to keep this conversation going. All right, we're back. You're listening to Forte Catholic with your host, Taylor Schroll. My producer and I, Sam, are talking about our trip to Memphis this past weekend. Uh, And specifically, before we went to the break, we were talking about the Civil Rights Museum. Sam was sharing some of her uh, favorite moments, kind of impactful moments. I want to do some of mine now. So I took a few pictures, and I was just kind of reliving this trip uh, when I was preparing for the show this afternoon. And... uh, just kind of things that stuck out to me that as I was walking through things, I either didn't know or gave me a new thing to think about one of them right at the beginning, we walk in and it's just talking about like America around 1776, like when the declaration of independence was, was signed. And it's that we're in this circle room that has, it's just kind of telling the story of what was happening at that time, both with uh, legislation uh, what was happening with with African Americans, with these slaves that were coming over, uh, indentured servants, all just kind of giving us this whole idea. That what was really neat is around the top of the circle, it was the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be, or the Constitution. I don't know. One of you people know. <laughs> we hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal. You you know you know how it sounds, right? And it was to stand in contrast against what was happening. And there was this was one huge dichotomy that uh that the declaration of yeah that's it i was right declaration of independence as he's writing this thomas jefferson wrote those words all men are created equal and owned 600 slaves in his lifetime 
and I'm just reading this, and like I knew that, but just it's like it's like when you know two things, but then they're presented to you right on top of each other, right next to each other. And you're like, this doesn't make sense, right? This huge dichotomy of this man who can say, we hold these truths to be self-evident. No one has to tell you that blacks and whites are equal, that men and women are equal. And yet he owns slaves. Yeah. Like, it's just this huge, you know, the whole, like, speck in your eye versus the plank in your eye, that whole deal, right? And it struck me because... I look at Thomas Jefferson and I'm like, okay, what's the dichotomy in my life? Where am I saying, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a good Catholic. I don't know if I've ever said that, but you know, like where, where I think, okay, like I'm doing well in life. I'm, I'm striving for holiness. I'm trying to be a good radio show host, a good husband, a good father. I'm trying to do these things, but I know there has to be some dichotomies like this in my life because you know, as well as I do, if you've listen, been listening to the show for at least two minutes or ever met me, I ain't perfect and I'm not very close to it. So what are the dichotomies? What are the things where I'm saying one thing? Like, prayer is important. You should be doing it daily. And then only doing it five out of seven days or six out of seven days. So like, where are the dichotomies in my life? And where are the dichotomies in yours? It's just like a, a question that I've been wrestling with ever since we went to the, to the Civil Rights Museum last week. Uh, another thing that stuck out to me that I, I never really realized, number one, the percentage of people that were slaves, like how big the slave trade was and how expensive it was. So first, it says in 19, or sorry, not 19, in 1970, that's incorrect, 1790, nearly 40% of all Virginians were in bondage, were slaves. That's almost half the population. That's insane. Like, how is almost half the population in slavery? Like, that, that, just, that just stuck out to me like crazy. And here's the one that just blew me away. Because I've been to plant. I grew up in the South. I've been to plantations. I've seen plantations. There's a lot of times there's museums at these plantations, right? I never realized how actually wealthy these guys were. So in, in 1805, one enslaved laborer cost on average $200. By 1860, 55 years later, the price rose to $750. So you're like, oh, $750. Like, you th- like I always saw these prices and I was like, <clears throat> oh, like they're saying that their life is cheap or worthless, right? That, like that's what I thought when I saw the prices that slaves were being brought for. It's like they're saying they're worthless. I can just buy a human for $750. But I was thinking in like current, like to buy a person now for $750, that's, that's why I thought that. That's not a lot of money. The equivalency, you know, just how money changes. The $750 in 1860 is the equivalent to $130,000 right now. So if one guy owned one slave, he essentially paid what's now about $130,000. That's, just, that's like the price of a house. That, that, that's crazy. So these guys had 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 slaves. That's how wealthy these guys were. And that's why they fought against slavery. Because they, if you think about it, they're paying $130,000 per slave. They must be earning a heck of a lot more than that. Because they're not losing money with these slaves. They're making money over money over money over money. 
So that that number just blew me away. And like you always hear, like, oh, they're fighting against it because this was how their economy was run. It's like now I see it, right? But then we we kind of go through, and it takes you through. You kind of walk through centuries or decades as you walk through the museum. And there was one as as change began to start in the north in the Union, right? I was going to say North America, but that's confusing. <laughs> the northern United States. <clears throat> There's this lady named Elizabeth Freeman in 1742. Uh, no, sorry. She was born in 1742 into slavery. And shortly after the Revolutionary War, uh, she read Massachusetts Constitution and heard the words, all men are born free and equal. So she said, well, <laughs> I'm not, this, isn't what, this isn't a quote from her, but oh, that means we're all equal. So she took the words to heart, and she sued for her freedom in 1781. An all-white jury found her found her in favor. Not only did they find her, like, grant her her freedom, they made the slave owner pay her for all the years of slavery. Like, you want to talk about a miracle? In the midst of a time where slavery was okay, like quote unquote okay, believed to be okay, she sued for her freedom with an all white jury, the people in power, and they were like, "Yeah, you can go free and take a ton of his money." Like that's crazy. Like things started changing, but obviously it wasn't like that for everybody. So we get into this, into this time of of uh, around the Martin Luther King times. Like as Sam was saying when we walked in, or when we turned the corner. To get to the museum. We thought it was small. And we were all kind of taken aback a little bit because we're like, this is a hotel. (laughs) The museum's built into a hotel. And I'm looking at it like, this looks kind of familiar. I I didn't look, I didn't like research the museum on on the internet or anything. People were just like, you should go to this. So I went. (laughs) I'm very trusting, apparently. Um, But it's actually the hotel that Martin Luther King was assassinated at. And they made the... Uh, the museum out of that hotel. So we, we start walking through and uh, learning about Martin Luther King. <clears throat> he, they talk, uh, one of the things that I saw was like there, that, that I was, it was interesting to think about was this violence or this uh, ethic of nonviolence. Like, we, you know, you know the stories whenever they did the sit-ins or like Rosa Parks sitting on the bus, like they weren't going to fight. They were going to sit there and just take it to sh- like, with the idea that then the oppressor will realize they're wrong in their ways. Like you're just hitting a woman sitting on a bus for no reason. Right. Um, didn't always work. Right. But like some of the things that it said were, uh, like the thing that they had to sign to join this nonviolence movement, movement, meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus, um, walk and talk in a manner of love for God is love, pray daily, uh, sacrifice personal wishes in order that all men might be free. Uh, strive for good spiritual bodily health and follow the direction of the movement. So like that, that's just a few of the 10 things that they signed. And I was like, oh, that sounds really good. I like this. And then we went to this. There was a, essentially it asked you questions to kind of find out where you would be if you were in that time. So it's like asking me questions about, like one of the questions was, is it okay to like commit violence out of self-defense? And like, I believe, and actually like the catechism says that that's okay. Like granted, the catechism doesn't say you have to do this. Like you can be a nonviolent Catholic, right? But it also says that like, 
if somebody walks into my house, I can punch them. I can even shoot them if I need to, to, to protect my family, right? And again, people can make different choices. That's what I would do because I'm Catholic and I grew up in the South. So that's where I, that's where I tend to, to lean there. But what was interesting is we saw Martin Luther King and then we learned that that's like the main person this was about. But we also saw stuff about Malcolm X. And we had even been joking about, not joking, but like talking about how like, how different they were. It's like, oh yeah, I wouldn't have been like Malcolm. <laughs> and then I took the test and it said, you were Mal- Malcolm X. I was like, oh crap. <laughs> But it was this idea, like this whole nonviolence thing. It's interesting to me because I do think there's a, I I was thinking about it because it said that I was more like Malcolm X. And I think there's something to be said about self-defense in the moment. Like some of these guys and like more power to them. These guys in the sit-ins, we saw a video of them sitting down and just getting pummeled. Like just all these white people just around them, whether it's cops or civilians or whatever, just beating the crap out of them. And they just kind of took it. They had put their hands up to kind of protect or whatever, get in a fetal position if they were on the ground, but they wouldn't fight back. It's like, man, I probably would have. And it's just this interesting thing to see. No, it's just another interesting thing for me to think about. Like, I don't have the answer yet. It's like, which, which one's right? Because I, I know I probably lean t- t- more towards the self-defense in the moment. But I think where Malcolm took it, I'm, again, I'm not an expert, but it was like preeminent self-defense. We're going to attack you because we know that you're going to attack us, which if you know anything about just war theory in the Catholic Church, isn't okay. But anyway, that was just another little interesting thing that I was thinking about. But then we got to Martin Luther King. And he, he blew me away. Like I, I thought I knew stuff about him. I really didn't. <laughs> so I actually didn't know all that much about him. But he said, uh, there's a couple of speeches that he gave right before he died, and it kind of seems like he knew he was going to die. The man lived with death threats for forever, but <clears throat> like the night that he, that he got shot, he actually didn't write anything down. He didn't prepare anything to say that evening. Like the, 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 the event that he was going to speak at the night that he got shot. And like the day before, And this is interesting because last week we had uh, Anthony D'Ambrosio on to talk about the Beatitudes. So, you know, you hear something and then it's not kind of in your mind. Uh, Dr. King wrote a speech about his death before he died. Well, I guess it would be hard to do after your death, but whatever. (laughs) Stupid Taylor. Um, (laughs) Moses. Oh, never mind. That's a whole other thing. Um, But here's what he says. If any of you are around when I meet my day, This is just days before he actually died. I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk long. Kind of funny for a preacher to say that, right? (laughs) I'd like somebody to mention the day that Martin Luther King Jr., that he tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that that he tried to love somebody. Uh, I want you to be able to say that on that day, I, I did try to feed the hungry. I did try in my life to clothe those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison, to love and serve humanity. So I just want, I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. And then he died. Like, so close to this. There's, a, there's another, <clears throat> another quote um, right across the street. Because like the, the parts of the museum, there's the actual hotel, 
where he got shot. You can see the place that he got shot. Then there's like the inside of the museum that they kind of built next to the hotel. And then across the street, there's a museum that we actually didn't have time to get into where like the shot was, where, where the shooter was. And on this big memorial, like on the street outside, it says, again, from a couple of days before he died, it says, I may not get there. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know that we as a people will get to the promised land. So again, invoking this like Moses and promised land idea. He said, I might not get to the time where all men are seen as equal. I may not get to that point, but I'm going to keep fighting. And one day we as a people, as African-Americans, will get to the promised land. And then we get to our favorite part. We actually saved this for the end, but it was actually the first thing that we saw and probably the most impactful. <clears throat> so, Sam, why don't, you, uh, why don't you share your experience of, uh, of walking up to the museum and see what did you see and, and, and what did you think about it when you, when you saw it? Um, yeah, so there, the hotel is there. You can see it. Um, and there's like two cars out in front and like a gate. And right in front of the gate, there's kind of um, this stone plaque there it's pretty big that was sitting there and it kind of told you a little bit about Martin Luther King and and what happened there um and on it was a a quote from the bible on there and I think it's from Genesis right that's what we yeah we said it was from Genesis and um I I sat there and and read the quote and and just as I was reading it before we even got inside to see anything I I was already crying (laughs) just to um I just think the quote surrounded Martin Luther so much and, and his his vision and his drive and everything that he did and every every person that he met, every everything that happened around him, this just like totally encompassed him. And do you do you do you have it? Can you read it out? Yeah, now? yeah. So it's it says it's like it's like a like a, essentially a tombstone. It's not where he's buried, but it's right in front there's a wreath on the on the second floor where he got shot, and this right. is right in front of it. And it says, from Genesis 37, they said to one another, behold, here cometh the dreamer. Let us slay him and we will see what become of his dreams. And so this this story is about Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, the, the coat of many colors, the man who had all these dreams. And this is his brother saying, you know, let's kill the, let us slay the dreamer and we'll, be, we'll see what becomes of his dreams. And we look at, I, I think what made it so impactful for, for myself and probably for Sam as well is that we know how the story ended with Joseph. They tried to kill him. They sold him into slavery, ironically enough. And then he, Joseph ends up through a long slew of things, becomes the leader, the second command in this nation, saves his brothers who tried to kill him and save the soul of a nation. And uh, wouldn't you want to say that this was 4,000 years before Martin Luther King that he did the same thing, right? Mm. He's this famous quote, I have a dream. He had a dream, didn't see it come to fruition in his lifetime, knew that he wouldn't, and still kept fighting anyway. And uh, they tried to kill him, and they killed his body, but his uh, his dreams lived on, and his his, uh, his movement and his message still live on today. So uh, 
We didn't even get to the conference. <laughs> we'll do that next week. But uh, before we go, we're going to talk to uh, J.P. Quinn in our final segment of the day about science and faith. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Forte Catholic for our final segment of the evening. I'm joined by my good friend, Mr. J.P. Quinn, who hasn't been on the show before, but he has been on Patreon before because he prank phone called the station, got really freaked out, and then we figured out it was him and called back. And it was it was fun. You can check that on pa- patreon.com slash Forte Catholic. But now he stepped up to the big time and is now on the greatest show in Forte Catholic world. Nice, nice <laughs> intro there. Yeah, Thank that you. was real smooth. Real smooth. <laughs> but you're also broadcasting from the world's greatest radio studio, if I might say so myself. You might say so yourself. I feel like you had something to do with it. The carpet on the walls and or the disco ball and or the light on the outside of the door might have been my doing. Uh. I feel like you didn't start making a radio studio. I feel like they put you in here and said, you need to be in a padded room, sir. So you started putting carpet up all over the walls. That might also be true. <laughs> I also want to put a disco ball hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> okay, crazy person. Whatever you do, as long as it locks from the outside, we're fine. Now, they had to make me take the blinking lights out of the window at night because apparently that was against city ordinance. But it was a pretty cool place when I left it. I hope you've been taking care of it. I really have. I, I, this is no, Sam saying I don't, I don't know. I think I take good care of it, but, uh, uh, the, the general manager and the, and the, and the guy that runs, uh, Red Sea Radio say hi. Actually, they say howdy because this is College Station, of course. And they called you the godfather of KACB. Yeah, that, that has been the title. I, I guess it was earned, but it was mostly stolen, I guess. Like all good things. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly sure. earned, but kind of stolen. Like half the segments on this show. <laughs> uh, speaking of segments on this show, uh, we, we, you are a fan of the show. You've been uh, on Patreon. You've, uh, I've talked to you a lot off the air about the show, but you uh, like Ministry Madness bracket back in the day and all this kind of stuff. It's always been oh, yeah. fun, and you're in my ear all the time like the, the, uh, the great person that you are. <clears throat> but... Uh, we we wanted to have you on because you do something quite interesting for a profession. What do you do uh, to make a little bit of dollars? So, so I'm an aerospace engineer, uh, and I work as a design engineer at a major aerospace company. Uh, and and I've done lots of different kind of space and or just generic engineering things in my career, but now I, I travel the world with... Uh, a full scale model of a fighter jet. So you play with toys for a living is what I'm hearing. Very large toys <laughs> that take like nine hours to set up. And then I play with them for a week and then I tear them down in nine hours and then I go fly somewhere else and do it all over again. I travel the world to show people my toy plane. And if you're going to be in Fort Worth, uh, December 18th through 22nd, and want to come play with my toys, I'm going to put them right downtown at Fort Worth on main street. You can come, come play with the big fighter jet. Will it even fit? 
never mind. I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. So <laughs> we sketched. Never mind. I know you well enough to not go there. So uh, yeah. we we wanted to bring you on to talk about seeing God in physics and a lot of the science things um, that you do. That's why I wanted you to come on. Uh, but you wanted to come on and talk about thankfulness. So uh, since you run the show, that's what we're going to do. So uh, you, you, yeah. thankfulness has been on your mind for a little bit of time and uh you know maybe starting today and it'll probably end you know friday after thanksgiving's over but um you've been thankful for some odd things some unexpected things uh yeah i I thought it'd be fun to do a top five of the most unexpected things that i've discovered i'm thankful for and maybe everyone listening can come up with their top five and tweet you about it and, and you know share what they can think of that no one would think they should be thankful for that they decide they're thankful for. Well, good. So that's what we're going to do. So uh, like JP said, if you'd like to share that, you can do that on Twitter at Taylor Schroll, S-C-H-R-O-L-L, or on Facebook, same name, same, different place. Uh, so for the first time in Forte Catholic history, we're going to have a Forte 5 countdown, not hosted by me, but by J.P. Quinn, our, my, our only other Patreon supporter other than my mother. So without <laughs> further ado, a, the Forte 5 countdown of the most unexpected things that J.P. Quinn is thankful for. At number five. going to say real diet coke. Now, this, this might come as a surprise to you, but Diet Coke all around the world is not Diet Coke. All right, they'll try to pass it off as Coke Light. Sometimes they'll even say Diet Coke. It is not the same unique flavor combination that we get here right in the U.S. of A. So every time I'm somewhere else and I'm trying to have my morning Diet Coke get me started, it just isn't the same and it tastes disgusting. Diet Coke is terrible. Number four. <laughs> Number four. Would have to be my wife's understanding this. Maybe that's a little bit of a cheese ball to throw out there, but one of these last trips I was going for like 28 days straight, and that's not cool to be away from your spouse for that long, and she's totally cool with it. I took her on one trip, but still takes a pretty patient and amazing person to put up with me being gone for that long. So much show that you made up a word. Number three. Number three. I'm going to say is happenstance. <clears throat> and, and it's just the weird combination of events that lead to cooler things and bigger things and better things that you'd never expect. So I just happened to be uh, sitting in my cube one day at work and some guy came by talking about, hey, did you know that as employees of this company, we can get this flight simulator for free? And I said, no, that's awesome. So I downloaded it, and I started using it to see what we could do with it. And then someone else came by and was like, oh, hey, you know that program? And I was like, well, I'm picking it up right now. And then I got invited to London, and I got trained to be an expert on that program. And then I met this amazing team uh, that started taking me to all these other places to help with a new project I was never a part of, all because I just happened to have it up on my computer that I was playing a, a video game at work. Take that, Mom. Video games will help you in your career. Number two. Number two would be fast food drive throughs 
it's not a thing anywhere else as far as I can tell. Like it, it seems like such an obvious, easy, convenient thing to have a place that you can just drive through and pick up food. But for some reason, no one else sees the value in being able to stay in your car and receive food in your driver's seat. And it drives me crazy. Murica, Murica for the win, which is ironic also because you are currently at a Taco Cabana about to go through the drive-thru. And without further ado, <laughs> number one. Uh, number one is the yellow line in the middle of the road that tells you the separation of directions of travel while you're driving. Because for whatever reason, other countries don't always have yellow lines. Sometimes they'll still have white lines that are just a different pattern of dashes or solid lines with weird markings on them. And you never know what they mean over there. And there have been more than a few times that I've had to wonder if I'm on a one-way road going the wrong way on these tidy roads and hoping that no one hits me and watching faces to make sure they're not angry at me for going down the wrong way on a one-way road. And it's just so much easier when the lines are yellow. And it's such a simple thing to be thankful for that, you know, it makes it so clear. And you know the answer and everyone understands when they stay on their side of the road. All right. Well, there you have it. That is our Forte 5 countdown of the most unexpected things that J.P. Quinn is thankful for. You are you are a very odd man, J.P. Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. didn't know that already. It's going to be obvious to everyone who listens now. I, I did. Uh, we only have two supporters but- on Patreon, but now... The yeah. whole the whole of the listenership will be able to hear the greatness that is J.P. Quinn. So uh, now, if you n- become a Patreon supporter, you can not only listen to the weird conversation we had before this interview, but you can also go back and probably and listen to that first one when I prank called, and it's epic, and it's well worth the whatever you donate to Taylor. Yeah, essentially what Patreon is is all the things that I can't say on Catholic Radio. So go support <laughs> us and get some get some bonus content out over there. So uh, before we go, we do want to talk about uh, about your profession, about what I initially wanted to talk about. So now that we're you know more than halfway done with the interview, let's get into uh, you know me running the show again. So um, yeah. <laughs> so hey, the best things have to be stolen. Remember? Yes, yes. So th- <laughs> by by that logic, this is the best show in Catholic Radio. So uh, because the show always is trying to be stolen from me by you and Sam and <laughs> Kyle and everybody else that tries to come in here and take the show from me. Uh, so uh, there's been a theme on the show the last, I don't know, month or something, and the theme of my life of people saying that I'm not smart enough for certain things. Uh, so the last couple of months, people were like asked questions on social media uh, about like topics they wanted to talk about on the show or questions they had about faith. And I'm not smart enough to answer all of them, so I've had people come on and talk about them. So uh, I only passed my physics class in high school because the teacher was my football coach. Uh, you know a lot about physics because, again, you play with toy airplanes and, and play video games that uh, help you in your career. So <clears throat> why don't you tell us a couple of things where how you see God in science, in the physics, in the work that you do? Yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing to connect, and I don't know that many people follow my odd brainwaves on a lot of things, but one that I found that really can resonate, because I've worked in youth ministry in the past before, and I've actually done retreats for Blaze and all the other groups that are also down in College Station, um, and one of the things that I think really resonates with people that 
to connect with is the idea of the Bernoulli principle, believe it or not, connected via toilet paper to better understand the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a wild ride to follow me on, all right? But if you, if you, if you, if you take some toilet paper in your hand, right, <clears throat> and you, you have a seat of it, and I were to tell you, you know, put it up in front of your face, and you want to make the toilet paper, you know, become flat, parallel to the ground, uh, you know, not just hanging limp in your hand, right? For some odd probably, reason, Sam just handed me a roll of toilet paper. I don't know why there's a roll of toilet paper in this studio, but I'm doing this as you speak. Okay, okay, so play along, right? So you have, a, you know, maybe two or three of the sheets, you know, you turn off a little square, you hold it in front of your face, and if you were to try and make that go up so that it's, like, floating flat, what would you probably do? Blow on the bottom of it. Exactly. Because that pushes it up, and now it's flat, right? But, but, here's the ridiculous thing. What I want you to do is I want you to try to blow over top of it so that you're blowing across, like, in the direction that you want the toilet paper to become. So if you just blow right now on that toilet paper on the top edge, it will actually lift it up. I did it, and my eyes went super huge and freaked out, and Sam laughed a lot. Uh, that blew my mind. Yeah. And also the fact that a guest on my radio show is making is ha- ha- convinced me to play with toilet paper and put my mouth near it is, is just new heights for the fourth of Catholic show. So thank you. And so, and so what, why this happens is something called the Bernoulli principle, which is something that after they kind of discovered it and played with it and learned how to apply it to things, you know, they were able to create airplanes and then they were able to expand it to really, generate a large amount of lift on airplanes that could carry people and mass amounts of people. And now our entire world is shrunk and has become a completely different place because we can travel all across, uh, all across the globe uh, on these airplanes because we discovered this cool little way about the way the pressure and air and airspeed all interconnect to create forces that then can lift things like toilet paper, but on a broader scale, if you're going fast enough on an airplane, on your wing of your airplane, that's what's happening. And then it's creating a negative pressure on the top, a positive pressure on the bottom, and that pushes the wing up. It pushes the toilet paper up to be flat. And if you were to keep blowing hard enough, you know, it would continue to pull it up. So you're pulling the plane up by going fast just because of the way that you're pushing the air over top of that toilet paper. And you would have never expected that. Like never in a million years, if you're just, you know, Caveman Joe sitting there with, toilet paper for some reason and thinking okay i need to get this toilet paper up you're gonna blow from underneath it but it's that weird massive science that we discover that teaches us the better way to do things and sometimes that's just the weird way that the holy spirit can work in our lives because i know at least in my life there have been instances where you know i see a problem in my life and i'm like okay i know this is how i need to solve it so i go and try and work my own magic to make this happen and I'm sitting there spending way too much energy trying to push the toilet paper flat when the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 go do it this way. And it's that little voice in your head or that little nudge that pushes you in the right direction, even if it's an unexpected direction, even if sometimes God puts you into places where you're like, oh, man, I really am upset that I lost my job or who, who knows what it could be. That is really that better way of achieving the end goal that you're going towards. So. It's just a, it's an interesting 
thing because when you're blowing on top of it, not only does it work, but it actually works better. So you can extrapolate this and, and tie uh, a roll of toilet paper to the end of a leaf blower, and you can, like, toilet paper a house in seconds. Or, you know, I did a demonstration where you can actually make the toilet paper, like, hit the ceiling of the gymnasium, and everyone, like, really freaks out then. It's like you could have never done that if you were blowing from below. And so you have to just trust sometimes the weird ways that God works is actually going to take you higher and better and to the place that you actually need to be instead of the way that we might intuitively think is the way to achieve our goals. This blows me away, uh, pun intended. Uh, so yeah. I, I, it's my job in ministry and as a radio show host to look at things and see how can I connect this to the faith? I, I have to say, you one up to me. I've never looked at toilet paper and thought, you know what? This is just like the Holy Spirit in my life. So. And now, the next time you go to the bathroom for the next week or two, you're going to be thinking about JP and the Holy Spirit in that order. I, I Thinking about you on the toilet. What a wonderful thing. Um, so, <laughs> so here we go. We're, we're, we're about out of time. Uh, so he, here you go, guys. Here's what I want you to do. Find some toilet paper and the practical takeaway that JP wants to give you is over this Thanksgiving holiday, go TP a house in less than four seconds. I'm just kidding. That's not the takeaway. That's not the takeaway. Uh, JP, how can people connect with you, man? Uh, I mean, I'm on Facebook. I don't really Twitter or Instagram or any of that. Um, I, I don't know that there's great ways to connect with me. But, you know, connect to Taylor, and he'll connect you to me because uh, I'm all for more friends, especially if you want to play video games on Monday night. Do it. JP, thanks for coming on, and uh, thanks for being a man with no social media friends because you play with toys for a living. We'll talk to you guys next week. It's been a great show. See ya! Howdy, podcast listeners. It's Taylor. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the show. And for those of you that have been listening for a while, I want to thank you for sticking with me this long. Uh, it's probably going to get you time out of purgatory or something. But I would be super thankful if you could rate the show in iTunes. I haven't asked you here in a while, but iTunes actually just changed how they do their rating system, made it pretty easy. So if you search Forte Catholic in the podcast app on your phone, it'll let you rate it right there. Uh, just if you scroll down, please, if you could, give it five stars, write a review. It'll help more people. Uh, listen to the show as the new year comes around. So uh, thanks again, and you guys have a blessed Thanksgiving break with your family, and we'll be back next week.